The advice and opinions expressed by the hosts of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Let's talk autism open. Uh, let's uh, talk autism with Shannon and Nancy uh, opening. But but so <laughs> I'm caught a little off guard. Uh, good morning, Nancy. Unmute yourself because uh, we're we're here with you. Yeah. Good morning. This is and our open. <laughs> this is our open, and we don't have time today because we're jamming things in today. We've got a big big show right. here, and you can see we've got a very special guest who's got a really cool background. Uh, you're gonna. <laughs> like, you're, uh, we tried to do a really cool background uh, at one point, and then then we let, let it go. But you're you're better at these things than we are, Jason. So uh, we Nancy and I wanted we didn't have you on the schedule because this was Mother's Day weekend. But you reached out to me and said, Shannon, I got a big big deal going on right now. So yeah. first first of all, introduce yourself to everyone and tell us why we had to make time for you this morning. Hey Shannon, hey Nancy, uh, hey. thanks for having me on in such late notice. Uh, I'm Jason Weisbrod, I'm the co-founder of Spectrum Laboratory, which is, that is our logo. Um, our website is speclabs.org. Um, we teach film, music, animation, uh, and all and mu all different types of things with the um, neurodivergent and autistic youth. Um, we have age ranges from eight to thirty-five. I think is our oldest student now. Wow! So we're kind of teaching all ages, but um, uh, you can learn all about our program at on our website at speclabs.org. But today, I have a really special announcement. Um, we, uh, the last year we filmed a, our first really professional short film called Boys Don't Wear Dresses. And um, it's a film that is written by myself with one of my longtime students, a really great friend of mine, as well as a Spec Labs artist, Alani Shorin, who, when I first met Alani, went by the name of Steven. And Stephen went through a transition for a long period, uh, first coming out as gay. And then uh, later on, while we were writing this script for this short film together, just uh, told me that uh, Stephen was now wanted to be called Alani and was now transgender and wanted to live a more a fulfilling life as her real self. So we wrote a film about it called Boys Don't Wear Dresses and it's screening uh, tomorrow night uh at the um translations seattle transgender film festival which is the largest transgender film festival in the world and uh because of what we're all dealing with being at home uh it's going to be online and they're making it available for anybody to see so tickets are free um and uh but i highly recommend that you guys support the festival so there's a sliding scale ticket price so you can pay 5 10 15 20 um but if you can't afford it they're making it free as well and um that's a so lot of information but this yeah. is our poster that you guys are seeing um boys don't wear dresses that the amazing danny bowman created which you shannon you you know danny we all love danny so much yeah we all love danny we and see uh, familiar faces there poster. jason What's that? Yes. We see some familiar faces there on that yes. poster. So like in our film, hard. besides Alani, you know, and, and me writing it, we then had to get together a whole crew. So I, we hired professional cinematographers and camera people, as well as a bunch of my students I hired and actually paid to work on the film, which is amazing. And the actors. So all the actors got paid. Uh, there's Spencer Hart, 
who is yep. a longtime friend of your show. Yeah. Um, and then Liv Brazil is on the right, which is another very interesting story because Liv, we all knew as Jack and Jack has now transitioned into Liv. And this happened kind of while we were filming. So it was this very beautiful, all these beautiful magical things were happening during this filming. And then of course we got some amazing celebrity guests. We got Tom Kenny all the way there on the edge who, who is the voice of SpongeBob SquarePants. Amazing. To be a part of our film, which is amazing. And then the biggest dream come true, I mean, SpongeBob was already like a major, a major dream come true for us. Um, I love, I've, I've loved Tom Kenny like my whole life. I've been obsessed with Tom ever since he was on Mr. Show. Um, but then uh, Alani and I wrote the part of the stepmom with Alexandra Billings from Transparent in Mind for the part. And we have an amazing casting director, uh, casting director Rose, who reached out to her and she said yes. And so we got Alexandra Billings from Transparent to play uh, the lead character's um, stepmom. And our lead, our lead uh, Brandon Rodriguez from Spec Labs is in the middle there. He's the one holding up the Cinderella dress. And then Danny Bowman did a whole bunch of animation on the film. All these little animated characters you see uh, were from Danny Bowman's creation when some of our animators from Spec Labs, Faith Butterfield, Shane McCaskill, Bella DiOrio, um, also worked on the film and Amos Stills. So we, we just, we got a, our whole crew, our whole Spec Labs crew really bonded together over this movie. And I'm insanely proud of it. It turned out beautiful. And it's screening for the first time for people to see it tomorrow night. Okay, where do we have to go to watch it? So you can either search Translations, uh, Seattle Transgender Film Festival um, online. There's no like easy link, but if you go to our Spectrum Laboratory Facebook page um, or go to speclabs.org, you'll be able to find the links to get tickets. Okay. But all you have to do is type in Translations, Seattle Transgender Film Fest. And we are screening tomorrow night at 6.15 p.m. during a short film block. So this is a short film. Um, the short film block is from 6.15 to, 6, to 7.45 p.m. So it's an hour and a half short film block. They didn't let me know when we're screening in that block. So you just have to get a ticket for the, it's called the Joy and Catharsis short film block. And that's at 8.15 p.m. tomorrow night. I'm taking notes so that I will. Yeah. Now, and we have to make sure that we let people know that that is 6.15 Pacific time. Pacific time, yes, correct. So if you're, if you're going to want to watch on the East Coast, you need to be tuning in at 9.15. At yes. Central time, 8.15. Mountain time, 7.15. Because I, I know that's <laughs> a time, that time thing already has messed us up today once. So I just want to make sure that people know where to find it because, yeah. you know, I got to be honest. So often, Jason, we talk about things on the show and like a film or something and people are like, well, when can we see it? I, you know, I don't live in Atwater Village, Los Angeles, where it's screening yeah. or wherever it is. And we say, well, you know, and then it's like a year before they can watch it on some service. So this is it, you guys. Uh, you know, congrats, yeah. congratulations. We have more screenings, but I mean, this is our first kind of time we're showing it to the world. So we're, and anybody can watch it. I believe there's going to be captions for the hearing impaired and for, for I, I worked on it. I hope they figured it out and got it on there. So hopefully there's <laughs> captions, there's captions for it so everybody can watch. Um, and uh, yeah, um, and the other really cool surprise is I wanted to give a big shout out to Jill Hart, Spencer's mom, for getting us our amazing narrator. Um, this is a very Cinderella-esque fairy tale type story. So it's for all ages. We're kind of took a PG approach to the uh, topic of being an autistic transgender individual. So it's told through a narrative voice, like a fairy tale. We got Carol Kane to voice the narration on wow, the film Princess Bride and Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. And that was because of Jill Hart, who was friends with her. So thank you, Jill, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Carol, Carol was amazing. Tom Kenny was amazing. Alex Billings, all the celebrities that attached were like, it was like a meant to be thing. They were all just incredible. There was a reason they were part of it. They're all had just had beautiful hearts. And then everybody else you see on screen is from Spec Labs which is really awesome. Jason, <laughs> Absolutely amazing. Our students are all, are all over the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Jason, tell us a little bit more about the storyline. You told us the history. Sure. Yeah. About the film. 
so it really follows the story of Alon, this guy who's going to college. He's he's living with his stepmom. Um, it follows the Cinderella story where he lost his father at a young age and he's growing up with his stepmom. And at a young age, I don't want to give away too much, but he had a traumatic experience where he was told boys don't wear dresses. And so as a literal brain that he is growing up and he always thought that boys just don't do that. And he was not around that type of living environment. It wasn't acceptable. It wasn't for him. So it wasn't. And this young man is on the spectrum. This young man is on the spectrum. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, as he grows up, this film is kind of about a day where he comes to terms with the fact that maybe it is okay for boys to wear dresses and maybe it's time for me to share my story and it's time for me to tell you know who I really feel like inside and uh so it's and and it really is based on and inspired by Alani Shorin who uh who I wrote that we we did a mentorship together and we just sat down and started writing and it was the first scene that we started writing was between a professor and a student and then you know Two years later, Tom Kenny is playing me in the movie as the professor for Alani, uh, for Brandon, who's playing Alani in the movie. And uh, it's it was truly, truly a dream come true. So it's a kind of a day in the life following, uh, you know, this day at college for this student meeting a, for a friend and being experienced to a theater program at a college that kind of will change the course of this young autistic transgender individual's life. And I didn't realize uh, before, you know, you started making this film and there were conversations about it that, you know, obviously um, people who are on the autism spectrum uh, are just like everybody else. There are folks that uh, identify as being heterosexual. There are folks who identify as being everything on the rainbow of the LGBTQ, all the initials there, right? But I didn't realize the high prevalence in the autism community, and I've been told, correct me if I'm wrong, Jason, that there is a higher prevalence of being transgender in the autism community. Is that true? I don't, I can't say yes or no, but I definitely know that there are a lot of, I don't even know how you would say it, but um, confused or unspoken, people within the autism community that may not know their gender identity or are struggling with it. But I think that there is, I have noticed that there is a lot of um, gender confusion and it's not talked about at all, at all. It, it really isn't. Um, and so uh, one of the goals of our film, and that's really because of Alani and her parents, Linda and Len, who are unbelievable about getting this out there so we can start a conversation. So if, a, if someone who is autistic watches this movie and then goes, you know what, I actually like wearing dresses, it might start that conversation. Um, so that, that I think is why the movie was made. I don't know really statistics, um, you know, I'm the director and, and writer, yeah. and, I, and I learned from Alani and Linda and, and other people I know who are autistic and, and transgender. And um, I think there is a quite a, a bit, there are quite a lot of people who are either gay or transgender or queer or you know, it, it, uh, fall into that LGBTQIA category that, you know, don't feel like they have a voice to really express that, so. Yeah, and it's important it that we give everybody, everybody gets a voice, Yeah, everybody gets a say. And I think for parents watching this film may help them to understand um, because I, I think that anytime um, that your child is having trouble conveying who they are to you, right? For whatever reason, that's difficult for the parent. Um, because we, a, a, it's difficult for us because we want our child to be able to communicate. And it, it's difficult for us because it's what we always hoped we would have is a child who can communicate with us. But it's when, the, when it's these kinds of issues, there may be parents out there who, you know, really are struggling and not knowing what's going on with their kiddo. And maybe this will help them too, Jason. Yeah. Yeah. A little more acceptance, a little bit more knowledge. I, knowing you guys and the people involved, I, w- I would guess that there's a fair amount of humor in it as well. Yeah, it's a very, it's a lighthearted feel. You know, there's a lot of stuff out there on, you know, autism, transgender that are very like for the adult world and very, and this is more, you know, like my little six year old niece is in the film and it's, it's a very like, 
you know, it's in, and one of our uh, nine-year-old uh, autistic students plays a young version of Alon in it. So it's a very family-friendly way of introducing these topics and also yeah. like ma making it more of a norm. Like these stories should be Disney fantasy stories old and it should be, it shouldn't be taboo. It shouldn't be controversial. It should just be. Absolutely. <laughs> but I think our community has struggled to talk about sexuality, uh, period. Um, you know, and, and, and sexuality and how you identify, those are two entirely different things. I don't think we've really forayed into there. So I'm, I'm so proud of you that you're going there. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's going to be, we're going to get a lot of interesting uh, conversations off of this film, I'm sure. Hopefully, <laughs> yes. hopefully, hopefully it can help bring some families together um, uh, over some of these topics that maybe they haven't been really, you know, comfortable to talk about. Yes. Yeah, so tomorrow night, Saturday, 6.15 Pacific time, y'all. Yes. Uh, and tell us again, translations. Yeah, it's called the Translations. This is the mm -hmm. Seattle Transgender Film Festival. Um, and uh, like I said, tickets are on a sliding scale. Pay whatever you can, whether it's you can't give anything or you can give a lot. Um, uh, and also, uh, if uh, for Spectrum Laboratory at our website, yes, speclabs.org, you can contact us, you can talk to us, you can write us on there, you can find out the information on our Facebook page. Um, and last little plug, we have an amazing digital storytelling camp coming up this summer where we're offering it to anybody in the United States between the ages of 8 and 22. We're in contract with the VSA, the Kennedy Center for Performing Arts. They're uh, helping us out, funding, helping with scholarshiping some students for this and helping us get this thing started. So if anybody is interested in films, music, animation, want to be a part of the Spectrum Laboratory team, we're actually expanding now because of this whole crazy world we're living in right now. It's kind of forced us into doing this, but it's, it could be a good thing because now maybe we can reach people of other parts of the United States and eventually all around the world um, because of doing things online like this. So, And when does that start, Jason? Um, we're actually starting right away. We're going right into it. So um, you can enroll right now online on speclabs.org um, backslash uh, camp. It's our digital storytelling camp. It's under the classes section. And okay. really anybody can sign up. Because even if you aren't 8 to 22, we're going to open it up to later, older than 22, like in September, October. So really anybody can join and be a part. And get Is it, it like an independent study or are you, are you grouped with people in your age range? How um, does that work? It's going to, you're going to have one, you're going to be, uh, each student will be paired with another student online with one mentor and the mentor like myself will probably have a shadow or an assistant. And we're going to do five different mentorship, 90 minute mentorship sessions where they're going to get to create their own little video about transforming themselves into um, their better a magical being so whether it's not you know um the example i always use is like peter parker was at home went got bit by a spider you know turned mm -hmm. into spider-man and helped save the world so we're going to help our students figure out their voice what their passion is and how to transform their passion wow. into like a superhero you know magical self of them so um if if anybody out there is interested uh you can come to our website and check out our, we'll be running it for months and months, um, this digital storytelling camp online. Okay, so, great. Yeah. yeah, you're up to some really great things. You certainly haven't let this pandemic slow you down, have you? We can, I gotta say upbeat and positive. I can't just sit around. I'll, I'll right. So I just gotta well, keep I, and, and try to bring some positivity into this, into this time, so that's- I love that yeah. it's forced you to do what really you needed to do all along. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think you were going to get to. emailing us from, you know, wherever, Jacksonville, and being like, do you have this here? So now we have, we actually yeah. have the now you do. built, and now we do, so. Now you do, because the universe said, I'm sorry, you're going to have to. And and look, you know, I, I'm all about, let's take what, whatever positives we can, and if that's the one of the positives, I'm good with that. Um, because now you are going to reach more people, and you're, and, and it's just a thing where you're just going to have to make the time to, and that you already you could do it. It was just inconvenient. And now it, it's the only game in town. So yeah, I'm like proud you said, of you that you're doing it. Do it. But it's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard, but I, I know you guys, if anybody can do it, you guys can do it. We're so proud to know you. I saw uh, that Garth also did the music on it. You guys are so talented. Um, we, you know, since you're here, I'm going to make a brief announcement, but Traven, let me know as soon as our next guest is here, because we're already over. 
Um, But we had, I'm so proud of this, that we commissioned um, Spec Labs to do new music for Autism Live. So you're going to see, we were going to debut it already, but we haven't had a chance to. Yeah. You're going to see new music um, coming in, uh, being used on Autism Live, and we commissioned Spec Labs and their students to make that music for us. I am so proud of that. Um, yeah. And that we had the opportunity to do that before this whole mess started. And and um, we're really excited about what you guys made for us. Well, great. Yeah. Yeah. That's what the Garth, Garth and his whole music team. Garth is like the co-founder of Spectrum Laboratory. We're, we're, we have a bromance going on, Garth and I. Uh, <laughs> Garth, Garth's music uh, for this film, a lot of the same people worked on the music for years. Lucas Saluski and Atticus J. Cowger and John um, McRae. And they all... Uh, so a lot of the music in Spectrum Laboratory, Garth was, of course, the conductor and the composer of it all. But we got all of our students, a bunch of our students, to be a part of the music as well. There's a big choral singing part where we got a bunch of our students to sing. And, you know, with Spencer and Atticus Baldwin and Abby Romeo. And um, it's just, it's it's fun. We just tried to really corral the whole team together for this movie. Um, Boys Don't Wear Dresses. And we're, we couldn't be prouder of it. And... Um, Getting into this film, the last thing I'll say is getting into this translation Seattle Transgender Film Fest is kind of like um, really a dream come true because that's the exact audience that's the film festival circuit is impossible. It's so hard to get into um, just to get into any film fest and to get into this one means a lot to us. So thank you for taking the time to share that. Really hope you guys to. watch the movie. Be, please be in touch with us. Alani and her parents, Linda and Len, really want to start conversations. So please go to speclabs.org and send us an email. If you saw the movie, write to us, let us know your thoughts. Um, let's co- continue a conversation and we all just- Let's start a watch party. Let's, yeah, let's make a watch a, party. A, there's a watch party online too for this. Cool. And you go to the, the website for translations, uh, they have a, a, you know, like a Facebook watch party or something like that to, cool. for the film. So I'll be there. <laughs> Wonderful. Jason, thank you so much for coming and thank telling us about it so that we can know. I'm going to be watching tomorrow and, and hopefully Nancy and everybody else will have the opportunity to do that too. I can't wait to see it. Thank yeah. you, Jason. Can't wait to share with the world. Thank you so Give much. Give our love to everybody. All right. Take care. Take care. And Nancy and I are not going to miss a beat because our next guest, we didn't even talk about how you guys could connect with us. Hopefully you guys know, but our next guest is already in the waiting room. Um, Traven, if you could let her in. We, uh, we like to um, feature on the show. Usually it's on Thursdays. We do Ask an Autism Expert. And I know, Nancy, you're not always here with us when we do that. Um, but we, uh, ask, and generally we bring in a board certified behavior analyst and we ask them a couple of questions that are of a genre that, um, you know, it's like we take a bunch of questions that ask the same thing and sort of put them all together. Uh, does that make sense or does that sound convoluted? Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So, uh, we have joining us today, Hitomi Wada, who has been on the show before. Hitomi, are you there? Yes, I'm here. How are you guys? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So nice to see you guys' faces. Coming to us (laughs) from the comfort of your bedroom. That's amazing. That sounds very comfortable. Yeah. (laughs) I see you in the same position. (laughs) Yes. And, And Hitomi, tell us a little bit about you what you do and where you do it. Sure. So I am a clinical manager um, designee at our San Mateo location in California. Um, And I am basically in charge of just supporting all of the clinical teams that includes other supervisors at the centers, um, therapists, liaisons, and behavior technicians in the San Mateo center. Very cool. And so Hitomi, we, I'm sorry, we rearranged your schedule 18 times. So I'm (laughs) glad you're finally here with us. Uh, the questions that we've got for you are predetermined. And so I'm going to go ahead and throw the first one at you. How can I get my child to play with more than just one kind of toy? Sure. Um, so I think the first thing is the motivation is really key in teaching any of our learners with any skills. And especially with play, right? Kids have their own agenda. Um, when they want to play with certain toys. So really starting with what they're currently playing with and then expanding from there, I feel like would be the most um, 
uh, best way, um, effective way to teach our learners. So for example, I think the common um, challenge with our learners is, you know, if they are really into Paw Patrol or some TV show and characters, it's really hard to expand from there. But if you can find things like puzzles or um, figurine toys, or even a board game that's within that theme, um, I think the learner is more likely to kind of expand and be more interested or more um, willing to try something new. I don't see Shannon anymore. Is, is she still? I am still there. Oh, I just wanted to make I just wanted to make more room, and oh, I gotcha. of course. I, of course, did not send the questions to Nancy, so I was feeling bad, and I was going to text her one of the questions that's okay. for her to oh, ask. Oh, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> Tony, so that's I have a question. How do we know when the child is just stemming with a toy and doing repetitive behaviors as opposed to playing with the toy? And can we expand, even if they are doing repetitive behaviors, can we expand those to play? Yeah, definitely. I think sometimes make trying to find a context the right context where this stimming or repetitive behavior can be more appropriate i think would be the best approach so for example if um, the repetitive behavior we can find a toy where it's meant to um, be you know flapped or spun i think that can make it a little bit better if that makes sense I'm yeah because think of an example like playing well, with a train or a truck with the wheels. Sure. So that's a great example. Um, so if the learner is spinning the wheel multiple times when we want them to kind of roll the toy, if we can find like a pinwheel or something where the toy is actually meant to be spun and in having the learner engage with that in the moment and then um, instructing them to roll the, the train and just making sure that we're encouraging them to spin the pinwheel rather than the train, um, I think would probably be the best way. Again, making the behavior it and putting it in a context that's more appropriate, I think would be best. Wonderful. Our next question is, how can I get my child to stay in bed? Something that we all worry about and yeah, and try to make happen. <laughs> for sure. Um, and so this question, I think it's really difficult to um, answer because I think it really depends on each client um, and what their needs are, what their motivation is, and how often, things like that. So my recommendation is just go straight to your BCBA, your supervisor, um, and really talking about the challenges in detail. Um, and then they can really consult with you, um, but also getting other team members involved. Um, met, ruling out medical considerations is number one key here as well. And just making sure that the learner is not experiencing something internal where we can't really um, see. Um, I think that's also critical in addressing this concern. Wonderful. And our last question, I want my child to talk but my ABA team is recommending PECs or an iPad for my four-year-old. Uh, does that mean that he will never speak and are they giving up? Yes, so that, I think this is a very common concern with a lot of our parents who have children that's not vocally speaking, um, but I'm sure a lot of parents have heard BCBA say there's abundance of research. Research shows that the pets using um, pictures to supplement their communication actually uh, encourages vocal communication in the future. Um, and so I think to reframe this, we're not saying that the pictures are going to replace their vocal communication. It's meant to supplement, it's meant to be as a cue and support for the learner to engage in communication. Wonderful. Hitomi, thank you so much for answering our questions and being here with us. Uh, I don't know if you're willing. I have uh, uh, some, a viewer has written in a question and I know that that wasn't, you know, we didn't send that to you, but I, are you willing? Yeah, of course. <laughs> okay. Uh, they want to know, how can I get my adult autistic son to wear a mask? Oh, refusing. Very challenging for a lot of us at this time. Oh, I can the, only imagine. The sensory, yeah, lots of sensory issues with our kiddos with the mask. Sure. 
And again, kind of going back to the motivation, motivation is really key here. And some learners are not going to be motivated by the explanation of, well, if you don't wear a mask, there's a chance you're going to get sick. That's just um, a more abstract concept to grasp. So uh, one idea that I would have is making the mask more appealing. So if we can make it more specific to that learner, whether it's a, their favorite color, it's got their favorite character on it, you know, I encourage the families to get your child or adult more involved, you know, pull up options on your phone and say, which one do you want so that they can be part of the process of selecting the mask as well. As far as the sensory goes, you know, again, we don't want to put that high expectation of individuals to put on that mask overnight, right? Um, it takes some time. So create small goals, right? We just want them to wear around their wrist. Maybe we just want them to hook it around the ear, take it off right away, start small and celebrate those things in a really big way because that's a big, big achievement. But if we can do that, every day maybe three times throughout the day consistently um and then make sure you have that big big reinforcer right whatever motivates them deliver it right after maybe we can make some progress for them to at least just put the whole thing on or maybe even wear it for five minutes of the day Great. yeah thank you so much for that because i you know i know uh, i'm a sensory person but i'm not on the spectrum and, and I know how, like the first day that I put one on, I had it on 30 seconds and I was like, this is not going to happen. Yeah. This is not going to work out. I'm not going to be able to do this. And now I'm able to wear it for like a good solid 15 minutes. And I have friends that are, you know, um, nurses and administrators who work in hospitals. And I've said to them, how do you, how did you, and they said, you know, it really, after a time, it's, it's just like, think about wearing your glasses, how hard it was to wear your glasses. And now your glasses, you don't notice when you have them on right. and, and that they honestly don't realize that they've got their mask on after eight hours because they are so used to it. So for, for sensory people, I agree with you, like working up to it, man, working up to it. Okay. I I'm about 15 minutes now that I can do, uh, but I did not think I was going to make it that far. So Hatomi, you are so amazing. And thank you for being so flexible with us and answering all of our questions. We appreciate you. Have a great weekend. Yes, of course. Bye, guys. Stay safe. Bye, Hatomi. Bye-bye. Uh, wonderful. So Bye. isn't she delightful? She's delightful. Yeah. And, you know, I know a lot of people are having issues with that mask situation. So that's good to know her. I got to tell you too, I had an allergic reaction, which is part of the reason why I'm having eye issues and, you know, everything under the sun. So um, some of it is, is sensory in terms of, of, you know, just feeling like, ah, I got to breathe through this thing. But it's also important to know what materials you're putting up against somebody's face. There's a lot of things to this. Yeah. Um, but we had, on a previous show, we talked about the fact, and I don't know whether it was Dr. Grampichet or somebody else who talked about the fact that, um, you know, some of the masks have that filter in them, that N95 filter, right. um, and that helps to um, filter out, out germs so that if you're the person breathing, it's filtering out the germs. But that, that's not what's being required in most places. Unless you're working in a hospital, what they want you to do is to wear a mask, not to filter out germs, but to prevent you from having particulate go out. So um, like, uh, who was it that was showing us the other day that they had one made out of a, a bathing suit material um, and that you can have something very soft or the bandanas, all of those are fine because even as I'm talking right now, I'm, you know, I'm somebody who over articulates, but I, you know, I, there was just a spray that went on the computer and that's what they're wanting people to cut down on is talking and having their, their spit fly out. So um, don't feel like you have to have one of those ones that has the metal thing um, on the nose because I had a total reaction to that. Um, but I just want to say too, uh, we have Nikki saying good morning. We have we had somebody who wrote in and I got to stop to address this, Nancy. I don't know if you can see it. Um, uh, a gentleman wrote in and said, I um, have AS. In my younger days, I was mistaken for being gay. It was hard to ask a girl for a date. 
Romance comes hard for people on the spectrum, but I am living proof that it is not impossible. I am married for a second time. So there you go. And I really loved hearing that. Raquel says hello. Um, and somebody sent us their song. I will listen to that later. Uh, they're saying hello from Ireland, from Northern Ireland. We uh -huh. love that. Uh, and um, somebody wrote in and said, I can't get my son to understand why we need masks to go out. He won't wear one and doesn't understand uh, why his favorite places are closed, worried. Uh, when they reopen, how to get him to wear a mask or a hat or a shield, nothing is working. I had those same challenges. It's been very difficult for Wyatt to understand why school isn't open, why he can't go to stores. Um, mm -hmm. We have tried to tell him it's because of a virus, because of a sickness, but he doesn't understand why this is lasting so long. Yeah, well, and you know, so often when our 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 kids and our adults on the autism spectrum don't understand something, I always go, do we understand it? I mean, like, I, like this is hard for me to understand, mm -hmm. like, when is this going to end? And, and like, what's happening? Like, I don't think there's an adult that I know that completely understands everything that's happening. So what I wanna bring up is to appreciate the, the reality of their feelings. I, I mean, Nancy, it reminds me of when your beloved husband passed away. Right. And, and so much of what we were all feeling, but we're adults, so we don't say it, right? right. But Wyatt would say, you know, where is he? Right, when is he coming when it, back? When is he coming back? Right. And I don't want him to go to heaven was his constant break. Which I gotta be honest, like, I was feeling all those same things. Right. So was like I. I like I was like wanting to know where I was there with you. And I was like, so you know, I have all my beliefs, right? But I don't know a hundred percent for sure where the soul goes when it passes away. Right. And, and it's so and, hard to explain that to a child. And this concept of the virus is very abstract and very hard for our, our kids. But, I, but, and beyond that, I mean, we're like, how do we get them to understand? We don't even understand. So I just want to say to everybody, maybe that's not the task because it's very hard to explain something that's unexplainable, right? We're setting ourselves right. up for failure. I think instead, if we focus on making whatever is happening right now, less anxious, mm -hmm. so we can distract, Right. And, and we can do that in a very healthy way by finding things that are very rewarding that are happening now. Even though they can't go to their favorite place, find something that you can only do right now. Mm -hmm. Like, is there something that they didn't get the opportunity to do? Like something that, you know, they were saying, I'd really like to do this and we couldn't do it because we didn't have time in our busy schedules. Find, or make something new up. You know, I, I have the family that we talked about this a couple of weeks ago in the first week of all this. And they were saying, I don't know what I'm going to do because I live in an apartment and we can't go to the park. The parks are closed. They live in New York City. And, and they were saying, and my kid is manding for grass. And one of our um, people, one of our experts said, you know, make your, make one of the rooms in your apartment a park. And they ordered like the, the stuff that, you know, it's not AstroTurf, but it's, uh, so it's like grass, mm -hmm. but it rolled it out on a mat on the floor, like a grass mat and turned the living room into the park for this time being mm -hmm. and made a paper tree and, and, you know, did all this stuff. There are ways, if we're willing to accept what is, right? There are ways that we can make this reinforcing. It's individual to the kid. Um, or to the adult, um, but I think um, uh, trying to solve how to get them to understand it, I think is an uphill climb. Right. And instead, instead, I would address the feeling and say, I, I, know, I know it's frustrating. And, mm -hmm. and like, I know it's frustrating. I know that you're upset. I know that you would like to go to the school, but we can't, right? Just like you had to say, you know, I know you want daddy to come back and he can't. Right. Right. And, right. and, and like, but how can you explain that? You can't. Right. So, you right. have to, so you have to do something else and say, you know, well, now we're going to go and we're going to paint something 
in daddy's memory, right? Well now, so, you know, we can't go to your favorite restaurant. So instead, you know, let's make your favorite meal. And, and it isn't gonna be perfect. And they're, and they're not gonna like it, um, but they will survive it and it will help them in the end to be more flexible. Right, We're, we keep telling Wyatt, he's learning to be flexible. And you know, he's like, what's flexible? And I'm like, it's taking things easy. Yeah, and, and rewarding them for doing that. Mm -hmm. um, because this is a skill that will be with them for the rest of their lives. We didn't choose this, we didn't want this, but we're here, so we might as well make the most of it and help them to gain a new skill. Um, okay, we have another question, because our guests, I'm gonna be honest, we have this wonderful um, mom and son duo that we were gonna have on, and I'm hoping that they're still gonna show up, um, but it's a young man who's on the autism spectrum and he's a singer, his name is Reed Soria. And he and his mom, Joe, were gonna be on with Nancy and I because we're trying to wind up our Mother's Day week. And so we were hoping to have them here and have uh, Reed sing something. But um, they're on a different time zone. And, and the first thing when I got into my office, office this morning and opened up my computer um, was an email from Reed saying, I don't understand why you weren't there. We were there at 8.30 in the morning and you weren't there because he's on central time. And so I had to send an email and say, no, you subtracted when you needed to add. We need to talk to you at 12.30 and so uh, your time. And so I don't, I don't see them here. So wow. they, they may or may not show well, I up. Hope, I hope they can make it, but we'll reschedule them if they don't. Yes, we will. But in the meantime, until such time that they show up, I'm gonna to continue to address some of the questions with you, right. Nancy, that are here. Um, so somebody wants, uh, somebody wants to know, um, it just skipped for me. Uh, ba, 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 sorry. Uh, how to make my child motivated for his studies. He's six years old, mild autistic. Um, oh, so, uh, they just emailed, uh, uh I'm going to ask, can they get on now? Hang on. Uh, so how to get somebody motivated to do their studies. Nancy, how do you get Wyatt motivated? Well, he tends to like school and like the structure of it. Um, so I think it, this is a much younger child, a six-year-old. Um, once again, it's about making learning fun and making a reward for learning. So I would suggest figuring out a reward system for the child to, to learn and rewarding him upon that learning. Um, whatever their favorite things are, think of ways to make that possible. We do it with tiny um, non-dairy chocolates. Uh, we put Wyatt on a timer and when he's successfully gotten through all his timers, he gets a small little square of chocolate. So the way we might adjust that for learning is when he's done his schoolwork, which everything's online now, uh, when he successfully completed his schoolwork, we would give him that little thing of chocolate, which is highly motivating for my son. So whatever you can think of that is highly motivating, uh, be it an activity, um, you know, sometimes people don't like doing food rewards, but um, a game, uh, a favorite toy, in the case of a six-year-old, I would use that at the end of a successful session of learning. One of my favorite uh, doctors, BCBA's PhD, um, <laughs> shared with me what she does with her children. She decided uh, when her kids were little, she, was, she thought about it and she was like, how am I going to make doing schoolwork reinforcing? Because uh, she said, I just didn't want to have the battle. Right. And um, so when her kids were little, and I count six as little, right? Um, yeah. What she did um, was she loved Kool-Aid as a kid. Her kids hadn't had Kool-Aid. They'd never had Kool-Aid. And she, uh, and even if your kid has had Kool-Aid before, it is easy to do because every day is a new opportunity. And she bought a pitcher that was like a clear pitcher. It could be the Kool-Aid pitcher or another one, but she bought a clear pitcher and she bought Kool-Aid. And Kool-Aid, if you add your own sugar, is like 10 cents a package. I'm not saying that it's necessarily good for you. This is not a commercial for Kool-Aid. But if what you want is for your kid to do your schoolwork, I'm telling you, she did this and it worked like a charm. 
every day that her kids would come home from school, she would have that pitcher of Kool-Aid and it would sit on the dining room table where they sat to do their homework. And while they were sitting there doing their homework uh, and working, you couldn't just be sitting at the table, you had to be working, you could drink Kool-Aid and you could drink as much Kool-Aid as you wanted. She only made one pitcher and when the pitcher was gone, the pitcher was gone, but um, you could have as much Kool-Aid as you wanted. And she never, ever, ever gave Kool-Aid any other time than during homework. And her kids who are now older, they, they come home, take the backpack off and they are at the table and do their homework, drink their Kool-Aid and they are happy. Great, now, so that's great. That's a positive reward system that works yes. for her. And we can think of those things. And like I yes. said, it doesn't have to be food. It can be a favorite toy. And it doesn't have to be Kool-Aid. It can be anything, but it's got to be something that's really reinforcing is the key. And it can't just, in her case, she had an assumption. I liked Kool-Aid when I was a kid, so I think my kids will like it. Now, if she had done it and, they, and it didn't work, then it was because the cool, not because it doesn't work, but because the Kool-Aid wasn't reinforcing enough to her kids. It turned out, you know, sugar water for her kids was, because that's what it is. It's colored sugar water. I would tell you that if you have a kid who is sensitive to artificial food colors or sugar, don't use Kool-Aid, um, but use something else. Make But whatever you use, don't use it for anything else. If it's actually working to get your kid to the table to do the thing, don't don't go, oh, well, now I'll use it for bath time too. Don't do that. Keep it, keep it special for that one thing. Um, a lot of times parents make the mistake of saying, oh, well, I'm going to do iPad time as the reward for the homework. But then that gets muddy because you're, you're gonna end up using the iPad time for other things. Pick something that it's just for that thing. Um, and that can be a really exciting thing. Okay, so the person uh, who was writing in about the mask says he won't wear a mask, he isn't understanding. Okay, we already talked about that. Oh, why favorite play places are closed and is partial verbal. What you were recommending to encourage wearing a mask. I did address his feelings, he is truly heartbroken. Just need suggestion to help understand that his favorite um, might be open soon um, and, and that he will be uh, required to wear a mask. Well, you know, your dining room table in your living room can become all kinds of things. It can become the waiting room at a doctor's office. It can become, um, you know, the TSA screening place where you practice doing that. Um, and so maybe, I don't, I don't know, um, for his level of patience, but, um, maybe if you make a calendar and say, you know, um, you know, we're hoping that on this day, the restaurant will be closed, will be reopened, but they're only going to let us come in with a mask. So we have to practice and, and then make your living room or your dining room, the restaurant and serve similar things to what you serve there and, and start by, like she said, having the mask hang on one ear um, and then start wearing it for just, you know, cause when you sit down at a restaurant, you only have to have the mask on when you come in and then they're allowing you to take it off because otherwise how can you eat? Um, but, you know, just have him practicing those little increments in your house. Will that work? And I'm waiting to see if she writes us back to tell us. So Nancy, I gotta ask you, and I did write to the story is and say, can you join us now? But I'm not seeing them join. So I don't know what's happening. Um, but Nancy, uh, Sunday is yes. Mother's Day. Yes. Mother's Day. And so I'm saying happy Mother's Day to you. Happy, happy Mother's, Mother's Day, Day to you too, Shannon. It's a weird Mother's Day. Uh, yes. I, don't, I don't think anybody's going to brunch. No, it's going to be very different from our Mother's Day of times past. So do you have any plans? Well, my brother and his wife are going to come over and do social distancing. They'll be safe mm -hmm. with us. And Wyatt has been apparently working on some things when I'm not out in the kitchen living room area with him. Um, I know there's some surprises planned that I have a feeling uh, involved some sort of art project. So um, I know he's preparing some special things and we'll probably cook um, a special meal. I got a great recipe for uh, non-dairy gluten-free eggplant parmesan that I'm waiting to try. I did a cauliflower casserole that was gluten-free, dairy-free. We should do a show sharing some recipes soon because- We absolutely should do that. Yeah, I know you have many recipes that are gluten-free, dairy-free. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. you know, uh, ever since we had Anita on a week ago, right. I have been vegan. You've been uh, vegan? Congratulations. I have, I'm impressed. Uh, can't you tell in my skin? My skin feels better. You look um, great. Well, I don't look great, but um, my skin feels better, which is a good thing. It's been interesting. And I've allowed myself to be a little transitional this week in terms of not, you know, um, I'm 100% vegan. It hasn't been that. But I, you know, when she broke the news to me last week that I couldn't use most of the vegan cheese, that's when I was like, what? Right. Uh, so I so I have allowed myself some vegan cheese because I bought all this stuff and I'm not like her. I can't just throw it away. Um, so I have had some vegan cheese. So in that, that respect, I haven't been 100% in terms of what Anita had asked for. Um um, and I have seen my blood sugar go down a little bit. It needs to go down a lot more. Um, so we'll see how that goes. What's interesting is that in an effort to, you know, one of my favorite things about this uh, isolation, the great isolation, as we're calling it, um, is that my family and I almost never sit down to eat a meal together. Almost never in the time, you know, because nobody's uh, like the same three people aren't home, but we also eat three different things. So a lot of times I'll cook for my son and I, and my husband is either not home or he eats at a different time or, or he's eating at the same time as us, but he's eating something else because he's not gluten-free. He eats red meat. I don't do that. Um, so when we started with the isolation and all of us were home every night at the same time for dinner, I started just making these big dishes and my husband started eating them. So we were all eating and eating the same thing every night for dinner, which was crazy. And when I went vegan, I was like, oh no, that's going to mess with that. And then I went, you know what, let's make it not mess with it. And I told the boys, I said, you can eat as much meat as you want. That's reasonable, right? For breakfast and lunch. But every night we're going to have a vegan dinner together. And everybody just has to be, you know, prepared for that. And we're all going to sit down and have a vegan dinner together. That's been interesting. Um, we did make, by the way, um, there was the recipe that Anita had given me that's in her book. Um, that's, that's carrot hot dogs. You take carrots and you um, marinate them for over 24 hours. And then you grill them and they look just like hot dogs. And you put them in the bun and you put all the fixings on top of them, but they're carrot hot dogs. So we, we had to get all the ingredients because, you know, we had to have the gluten-free buns. We had to have the gluten-free soy sauce. We had to have the organic carrots, right? And just to get all three things. Hot dogs the other night. And so it was amazing to me because guess who loved them and guess who was like, eh, not, <laughs> not, not who I would think. My husband who will not eat a vegetable on his own, I don't think has ever eaten a vegetable where he was like, I know I'm going to eat or order a vegetable. I don't think that's ever happened in his life. He loved them. He thought yeah. they were great. He was like, these are, these are fabulous. Right. These are wonderful. Jem was like, eh, you know, Jem ate them, but he didn't, you know, come back for seconds. Jim came back for seconds on the carrot hot dogs. That's so perfect. that's pretty amazing. Um, yeah. Jim, it like reminded him how much he loves hot dogs and he hadn't huh. had hot dogs in a while. So then, so then the next day for lunch, he had regular hot dogs. Real hot dogs. Um, Cause we don't, Jim doesn't eat hot dogs a lot. Um, right. So, you know, I don't think hot dogs are necessarily his favorite thing. So he was like, ah, the carrot hot dogs were okay. But then he ate the, and we don't, I guess we do occasionally have beef hot dogs, but usually we have chicken or turkey hot dogs, but he ate hot dogs the next day, real hot dogs. But mostly the dishes have been really good. Um, not only have they been vegan, they've been oil free. Right, I know she doesn't use oils. So that would be a challenge for me because olive oil and almond oil are a staple at my house. So I don't yes. know how I would adjust to that. Oh. Mine too. And I'm discovering that, you know, part of the reason, you know, the, the lion's share of the cal cal calories that I eat are olive oil. Right. Uh, <laughs> like that is, uh, that is my biggest um, calorie thing. And it's my biggest source of fats. So um, that's been interesting, but I've found that it's really not hard and it really doesn't take away from the flavor. We, I'm trying to think what all we had. One of the things that we had the other night were enchiladas. 
They were vegan um, enchiladas. Vegan enchiladas. How did and you make those? So um, we made a tofu. It was egg or not eggs. It was um, onions and tofu and these wonderful peppers that I'm getting from my imperfect produce delivery um, that are really mild and sweet. And I'm trying to think what else. I think there was some zucchini in the the mix too. Um, and then an enchil a, a green enchilada sauce that was completely vegan and had no oil in it. And then rolled it in the corn tortillas and baked it with more uh, enchilada sauce on the top. It was really good. Oh, beans. Beans were the other things that were in it. It was tofu mm. and black beans. Right. And we did it with a green enchilada sauce. I don't know how it would be with a red, but I would guess really good. Um, but it was really good. It was really good. We put a little bit of the vegan cheese on the top, um, but that was, that was pretty good. I've made pad thai, vegan pad thai. Um, they loved that. And um, we had like a, uh, a goulash. I've been giving them a lot of uh, noodles and things along with it. And I'm, I'm slowly rolling back on that uh, so that it'll be less carb. Right. But, um, but everybody has eaten well. My husband has not killed over and has not run screaming from the building. It's amazing uh, how you can adjust. You know, we're on Wyatt's on the keto diet. Right. Which is very... Um, helpful they say for seizures and he has epilepsy in fact we went to his neurologist last week and they've suggested doing another mri and another cat scan uh for him just to see where his epilepsy stands but for those of you that have kids with epilepsy um or that have had seizures i highly recommend the keto diet it seems to be help i mean he hasn't had any seizures since his he's only had two in his life but once you have more than one, they consider you an epileptic, I suppose. So uh, he's still on seizure medication, but they're talking about weaning him off of that. But the keto diet has been really good for him. He's lost 25 pounds total. He, he looks like a, you know, and it was right when he like had a growth spurt too. And, right. and, and you know, he used to have such a baby face. Right. Why well, had a baby face for so long? And then all at the same time, when you did the keto, he lost the 25 pounds. He gained a few inches and he just all of a sudden became this tall, skinny young man. Right. Right. It's crazy how the change. I know. Yeah. Um, he just looks like a, a totally different. He looks like a young man now. Yeah. Uh, the, the, all the boy, all the boy, uh, not fat, but you know, all the boy padding is yeah, gone. Baby fat. Yeah. Yeah. The baby fat. It's all gone. Anyway, we are like about to be out of time here, but tell us uh, what you've got coming on next week, Shannon. Do you have any idea? Well, I know that on Tuesday we have uh, an amazing guest that was recommended to us by Eustacia Cutler. And she's going to be talking with us about a program um, that her university in Michigan, I, I think it's Michigan university um, a program that they do that has young people on the spectrum come in and um, they partner with them. And they have this massive program that's very stringent, but it gives them support so that they can do college successfully. They've had great luck with helping people to get through college and get through all parts of it, the living the educational part and the social part of college. So I'm very excited to talk with her about that. And um, Eustacia Cutler was like, you've got to have this, this woman on because she's the one who's getting it done for college. Any of you who have college age um, or if you're college age and found that it was difficult, you gotta, you gotta be here to talk about that. And then I, I know that we have Dr. Grampichet on and I, we have a very full week I, I know that we're going to be talking with somebody in Australia about uh, a program, a physical fitness program that they've designed for people on the autism spectrum. Um, so, and of course I can't think what else, but I will tell you that Thursday night, we're about to um, unveil today that uh, a week from last night, Thursday night, we're going to be doing a special town hall and Bonnie Yates will be our special guest. And the topic is the state of the state of special education. So much has happened in the last two weeks about um, special education and what the expectations are. Betsy DeVos was given the ability 
in that uh, whole big push through the stimulus package, she was given the right to put some um, special education, uh, she, to decide what was gonna happen with COVID and all this stuff that people have missed. And apparently she's come down with two very specific things. Uh, be very interesting. I can't wait to hear Bonnie talk about what is happening and what is going to happen as a result of what Betsy DeVos said. So it's all up to the minute, right? So that'll be Thursday night. And, and right. we'll, we'll be telling you guys all about that as it gets closer. Yeah, great. Looking and forward it'll be interactive. to that. It'll be interactive. People will be able to ask Bonnie questions in real time. So that's next week. And my next Looks like we're out of time. Looks we like we're out of time. time. We're way out of time, but a happy Mother's Day to everybody. Sending yeah, you happy lots Mother's of love. Day. And I will uh, talk to you soon, Nancy. All and right, for all Shannon. of you, we'll be back on Monday. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me. And yourselves a hug from me. Bye-bye, you guys. Bye-bye.